Welcome to the Strong Society Podcast, where we dive into high-value conversations surrounding health and wellness, business leadership, and life topics. Our goal is to build a stronger you, both physically and mentally, in all aspects of life. You're not going to want to miss this, so let's dive in. Welcome to episode 35 of the Strong Society podcast. I'm Anthony alongside Ashley, and we're excited for today's episode. Crazy that it's already July. I know you made like a a post the other day about um, just being like mid-year, reassessing our goals. I think that's super important. Yeah, yeah. I think mid-year is always, I mean, I think every month you can kind of do that, but I think mid-year is like a perfect time where you're like, oh shit, it's literally halfway through the year. Two quarters down. How did we get here? Are we on track, you know, with our goals or have our goals changed? Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's always a good topic too, I feel like as the year goes on sometimes you don't necessarily want the same things and maybe your goals have kind of shifted a little bit so it's a good time to realign with everything yeah most definitely um we're excited for today's episode you know it's a long-awaited one for ash and i and i know um we've chatted about this you know a lot and and it was a it's a big focus that we wanted to really talk about but one of the biggest focuses for us at the strong society and and our clients that we help is to really become just stronger overall stronger overall individuals with a stronger mindset, stronger life, not only in our health and wellness careers, but you know, life in general. And and, in life, we have a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles, and finances are a big part of our life, right? And a big part that kind of drive, you know, other decisions. And, And to be quite honest, like you and I talk about, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which makes a lot of sense, because if you think about it, you know, if we have this overwhelming stress of our finances in the back of our heads, because um, a lot of couples fight about it, right? And and if you have this in the back of your head, then chances are your health and wellness is, is being thrown to the wayside, which is, is unfortunate, but it's understandable at, at times too. And, and so for us, we wanted to provide five keys to get on track with your money. And again, like, up up front right now like (laughs) disclosure like financial advice yeah like we're idiots with with money i wouldn't say idiots but we like guys like we're not we're not professionals financial professionals we're not money experts certified financial planners anything like that you know we know it's worked for us through through, trial and right yeah through trial and error through us educating ourselves right doing our research reading books reading articles and, and 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 soaking up knowledge and information and essentially through practice and and to get on track with your money is is um, basically to lead a stronger less stressful life right um, we'd like to share just a few pointers that have really helped us and 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 could possibly help listeners out there get on track and and of course guys like we just we we thought about what are the five essential keys that that we think if someone was struggling with money that they can really turn things around and start heading in the right direction. So those listening, if you guys do have a lot more knowledge in finances, please share, you know, with the listeners, be, be sure to message us and, and reach out to us. We'd love to, to pick your brain and also continue to learn. Um, but Ash, first off, like 
why i know this 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 happens a lot but why didn't we learn shit about finances like growing up honestly i mean for me personally my parents didn't have a lot of money right so we weren't sitting around the dinner table like when you grow up you know make sure that you're investing your money what do we do with all this money that we have Yeah. yeah i mean that was not a topic of conversation it was more so, I think the conversation around money was always very negative, right? Yeah. Like, we don't have enough money. We or don't taboo, have any money. Right? Yeah, or like you just don't talk about it. Or people who had money were like always getting their money in a bad way. Or right. it was, you know, not considered like good, I guess. But Or more, more money, more problems. Like people always exactly. kind of Exactly. Or like you're, just because you're rich in money doesn't mean you're rich with love or life. Right. Like that, that kind of mindset. But I don't know. It's funny, too, because I feel like even I've talked to multiple friends about this and it kind of goes, you know, both ways. Some of their parents, you know, help them set up, you know, mm-hmm. their credit score and kind of get started yeah. and explore and, you know, set the foundation for that. And then I have, you know, friends in similar situations like had no idea what a credit score was, didn't right, realize sure. that, oh, well, I use this credit card. I max it out and I have to pay it back, you know, yeah, with interest definitely. and all those things that. We're definitely growing pains, I think, for you and I along the way on our financial journey, but I'm not too sure what it was, but I do appreciate that I feel like now this generation is talking more about finances and about credit scores and things like that with the younger generation to help set them up for success. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm glad that you brought that up because like you're seeing more and more now, the younger generation are the ones that have been investing already at 18, right? Um, Understanding more of the financial side of of like the stock market or even the financial side of their own business or even have a business of their own like young entrepreneurs which is freaking awesome because i always think back and i'm like damn man i wish i just would have known more when i was younger and instead of and again i'm I'm not going to regret anything you know as you're getting as you're growing you're learning all the ins and outs of being a kid being a teen growing into your 20s and and I've never once was like, I'm going to start investing, you know, or even thinking about my credit score or anything like that. So, so (laughs) essentially like even for me, like thinking of that question, you know, not learning about much, it's nothing we can do about it now, but it's kind of a shame, you know, when you think about like even in middle school, high school, things like that for our teachers or someone just to kind of begin. and, And of course our parents, but just to begin saying, Hey, let's have these conversations to really set ourselves up for the future um and again sometimes you you might have you know people around you that they themselves ha- didn't get the best education and finances and so we can't blame anybody else it's just a matter of like these were these were the circumstances and, and this is what we learned and we're glad that we picked things up along the way and learned but um why don't you and kind of piggybacking off that why don't you think more people today take action with their finances if if they know that hey you know what i'm older now i i I should know what to do but like why do you think people still don't take action i think sometimes it sounds a lot more intimidating or it sounds harder than it is and i think too i mean it takes change right and you know i think overall we are resistant to change that's just kind of I think a common with with anything a lot of reason why we don't do what we should be doing is because it requires change and Most we're definitely. comfortable and we like to be comfortable so i think you know what's what's working for me now is, exactly. is fine right and even what's not working for me right sometimes we 
we are maybe not in the best financial situation and we know what we need to do, but it's easier said than done, that kind of mentality. So it's like, well, if I can just, you know, stretch a little bit more, you know, if I, and I feel like a lot of times too, we're always searching for, well, the answer is more money. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily always that we need more money. It's that maybe, you know, what adjustments can we make with the money that we have now to make that, you know, stretch a little bit longer. And I think too, that was something that I probably, you know, because growing up, it was very much just like, we need more money. We need more money. I wasn't aware that, Oh, just because you have more money doesn't mean you necessarily need to spend more money. Absolutely. Like if you're able to live minimally, then continue to live like that until you have invested and saved and you're really in a good spot. So this is like completely like all mindset, where you start, like anything else, like health and wellness, anything like that. You know, I think uh, why people don't take action with their finances, even though they know, like, okay, they know I should be saving, right? They know I, I shouldn't have debt. They know this, this, and that. One, again, it's changing your mindset, changing what you've already been accustomed to. It's 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 changing these bad habits and, and behaviors, and it's like anything else. That's the difficult part. I think when you have those goals, like the reason it really resonated for us is that we had bigger goals that we were planning to achieve in life. And you're like, you know what? These things are getting in our way. And so, yeah, sometimes I think people have too much information, right? They think like, man, you know what? Finances are just so confusing and and there's just too many things. And, And, you know, plain devil's advocate here, like there is so much information on financing when you think about stocks, investing, 401k, and, and this is that. perspectives, like yeah. you have, you know, people like Dave Ramsey, which mm-hmm. I know we'll get into, but yeah, yeah. saying, you know, all debt is bad all debt. debt. Is bad, and then right? you have people like, Ramit. The, yeah, who, Ramit Sethi, who is like, you know, credit cards are good if you use yeah. them the right way. Right, exactly. And it is good to leverage, you know, you can have good debt that's working for you and like helping 100%. you earn points and stuff like that. But, Again, it's like merging perspectives, yeah. being and open-minded to both both sides of the coin too. And also being open-minded to, you know, what works for somebody might not work Absolutely. for everybody. And you also don't have to go one extreme to the other, right? It's good to find a balance, find what works best for your lifestyle, your lifestyle and financial goals, and then roll with that. And just, I think the biggest thing too is be consistent with it and you know be smart and open-minded to anything yeah and before i forget like you brought up such a great point earlier just a while ago where it's about a lot of the reasons and excuses is kind of like oh when i have more money then i'll get started i'll have more money expendable money to kind of play around with to do this and that but and it's the same thing if you think about it, it's the same thing with your fitness journey. It's like, oh, you know, when I have a little bit more time or maybe when I'm at this point in my journey, then I'll be able to consider this and that. It's always when I have this, when I have this, like that. When, if you look at your current situation right now, you are able to start making tweaks to your current lifestyle, to current things that you're doing to have these small little mm-hmm. incremental compound um, positive changes in your life in your current situation. So I think it was really important that you brought up that you don't have to wait to say, okay, okay, I need X amount of money in my bank account before I can start doing this. Granted, as we'll go, we'll go over here in a little bit, there are some steps that are going to be the smarter route to take rather than saying, Hey, I've got a hundred bucks left to my name and I'm just going to go ahead and throw it into this whole thing right here when it's probably better kept saved somewhere you know as as liquid money that you're able to kind of get to so um cool that was a really great 
topic. And I think that really hits the head on, on a lot of stuff that we do with the Strong Society is changing mindsets, seeing what our current situ- situation is today and how we can control those things in a positive mm-hmm. way. But some of the juicy stuff, what do you like? Because we both know that, like we talked about, you and I both learned some hard money lessons along the way growing up and even together, like experiencing certain like situations. But what have been your biggest money memories and lessons that you've learned? I think for me, it was never about having, I mean, to like a crazy amount of debt, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was lucky I was able to pay through my school um, on like student payment plans, stuff like that. So I didn't have like huge student loans or anything like that. But I think for me, it was just my spending habits. Yeah. <laughs> You're smiling because you know, like. <laughs> you you taught me though, like putting a pin in here, like, yes, you do like, you know, you like to shop, you like, you like nice things. <laughs> You like quality things, but you you taught me that because you know it's one thing to just go after, you know, discounted things, discounted clothes. Oh, I'm getting this as a discount, whatever. But you, when you think about the quality that it's made, and yes, you might go a different route where you're saying this is a bit more expensive, but the quality material is going to last you a, a lot longer. So I think you know there's nothing wrong with that. No, I no, no. That, I mean, I. I fully, you know, (laughs) yes, yes, that's me. I'm still like that. And I think that's where, um, you know, Ramit Sethi, not Mm -hmm. to go off topic or Ramit Sethi. I do really like that. He does say, you know, invest your money, be smart with your money. But also if you work hard for your money, what things matter to you and where, you know, what do you want to invest in as well as like what you like. And Mm -hmm. for me, that is, you know, clothes and shoes and bags and, you know, better quality things like that. And yes, and experiences and experiencing new things and going to like, nice restaurants and all of that. Like those are things that I enjoy doing. So for me, you know, I'm not spending money all the time on fast food or things like that or mindless stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I do spend money, it, it is maybe a little bit more than it should yeah. be sometimes. But I think when I was younger, a lot of my mistakes with money were just the fast fashion for one. Mm-hmm. It was like every weekend right. I was going out to like a bar and I needed a new outfit or whatever, right? And then just, you know, the more money I would make at work, the more money I was spending, I wasn't setting any money yeah, aside. Yeah, crazy. And then also I feel like, I mean, I want to say, I feel like I almost had like a shopping addiction for a while when I was younger where I always wanted new stuff and it wasn't good quality stuff at that time because I was like 21, 22, right? I just wanted to have like new things yeah. constantly. Like I remember having racks of clothes and like none of it was I remember those in your good. room. Yeah, like none of it was like great. It was like forever 21 or, you know, like whatever clothes. It wasn't anything that I could still have in my closet now because it would have deteriorated not away. Not bashing forever 21 or anything. No, it's just a matter of all, it's accessible. But, but it's... it was just a lot of it, right? right. Like a, a lot of unnecessary items that in the bigger scheme of things, like I could have been saving that money. I could yeah. have been investing that money. I could have also been like putting that money towards actual debt that I maybe did have that I was making minimum payments on and things like that. So I think just not being smart with managing my money and letting my emotions get the best of me instead of like making smart decisions when it came to money. Yeah, absolutely. And what about what some of your juicy (laughs) money mistakes earlier on? like honestly, like for you and I, one of the things that really stuck out because I have I have some very specific ones that I remember clearly, <laughs> and I, and I won't forget because you know I learned lessons through them and whatnot. But remember when you and I went to Mexico for the first time and we got we 
we um, signed up for a timeshare. Um, <laughs> so that, that was that, that was an immediate was so emotional. Yeah, that was an emotionally driven immediate regret when we left Mexico. We we're Which like, why did we so do funny that? That like you yeah. were the one that was actually like about it. Yeah, because we were sitting there getting pitched, and I was and like, they had a bottle of champagne. And we're like, damn, this is nice. Anthony's so, like, no, guys, listen. This is crazy. Anthony was like, oh, they gave us a bottle of champagne and like this really nice bag, and I'm yeah. like hindsight we could have bought a bottle of champagne really nice we're definitely younger and just again it was was an emotional emotional, and i mean they were good salespeople. right is that's funny but um anyways for my my personal money lessons is i mean uh, the first one that pops up to mind and i think it was really the first one that i kind of encountered in high school was my brother and i were were psyched up to go to spring break at the beach and we we obviously south padre island Island. (laughs) and we obviously didn't have a ton of money to go right which right there make the choice and say then you just can't go like you know you don't go and do what we do and and pull out a cash advance loan on our car title like you don't (laughs) you don't do that and so that was that was a huge mistake because of course for us it wasn't like oh yeah we're gonna have the money back to this car title company in three weeks once we're we're back and paid in full we ended up taking forever to pay that off ended up paying just more than more than double or triple what the actual cash advance was just because of interest we were paying super minimum payments i was in high school i was a kid fucking working Working at at, yeah working at sonic (laughs) drive-in so i'm like how big are my paychecks i'm gonna be paying off this thing (laughs) wait but first off how big was the loan like that they gave you guys because if you were in high school working at sonic exactly and i'm like what how much money did we need to go to south by drive what am I like? Hey, can we have a five thousand dollar loan right now? We're about to go big. Yeah, it was in, just in, like the best Padre. spring break ever. So, uh, unfortunately, I wish I had the details. I don't remember, but I just remember this was like a pain in my ass for the longest time. And so, like, definitely learned, and we'll talk about it. But payday loans, cash advance loans are crippler for people. Stay far away from them. Um, my second one was a really kind of coming of age one. I would say so. I was turning 21 i think and you know i got my first credit card i was super pumped about it but i didn't know anything about credit cards and i think that was the big mistake right off the bat i was just like how does a credit card even work like it's money that cool this isn't my money but i'm able to use it and then i could just pay like they say pay 25 bucks a month back to it cool yeah i mean that sounds perfect um little did i know obviously of interest and everything like that where paying the minimums is probably the worst thing you can do and so i ended up maxing out the credit card i paid minimums the interest just racked up like crazy i went into default went into collections because i wasn't you know making the payments as i should other bills in my life started stacking up and so um luckily i was able to you i think it was like maybe three years down the road after i got the card um i had racked up i think it was like a two thousand dollar balance or something which in the bigger picture of things you know um it's a big amount for some people but like you know it was just a matter of like i was like shit i need to pay this off so i called the company and we ended up getting it settled and so i was i was able to pay that off but i think those were two very very specific things that i was like man those were big time financial money mistakes that the credit card for sure had a had an impact on my 
on my credit score and i have no idea what the hell that was but it's like someone's fucking partying outside yeah they're on vacation they're on vacation (laughs) um but i think overall like you hit the nail on the head is just like i think for me you know lacking that early on education in finances and really in starting like that whole investing and paying attention to my money if i would have done it earlier um that would have been a lot that would have been a lot greater but i i'm honestly i'm thankful for the lessons that i learned and and for the point that we're at we're at today yeah i feel like there was a lot of learning along the way because again it wasn't taught to me and i remember when we got together i was like yeah you need to keep your credit like you can only use a credit card up to this percentage and you can only do this and you're like how do you know this and i'm like because i have fucked up with credit cards before like i had messed up with credit cards when i was younger also, I also had loans that I got mm-hmm. and not like the payday loans, but I remember like going a little loan, those mom and shop loan companies where like the interest rate is like still super high. Yep. And I mean, I remember I didn't pay it one time and then I did go into collections and I mean, having to having if you've ever been into collections for anything and then having to repair that and then yeah. repair your credit score it's like a process it is so so it's it's not worth it you no know? it's not worth especially it especially as you grow older and, and you're like your credit score is going to be very much needed yeah. in big purchases such as you know a mortgage and such as you know a car, a car and, yeah, and there, things like that so there's so many things that i mean again you don't realize what power your credit score has unless you've been been taught when you were younger or you'll quickly learn if you weren't taught <laughs> yeah absolutely which again it's not the end of the world um so many people including us have improved our credit score over time um which we'll get into a little bit here but um guys three must reads again like ash and i educated ourselves for the most part through our trial and error but us intentionally being able to say like man you know we need to do some research and educate ourselves on finances you know we we didn't go to school and took and take finance courses or anything like that three must reads and and i put them in order um but uh, the ones that the ones that like i was kind of hey you know what these are going to be the most impactful right off the bat Number one, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. We we we've been mentioning him a little bit, but and he has a podcast. Uh, but this book is super easy to digest, very actionable, um, and has a lot of the things that we'll talk about here. But just a great perspective on how to handle your money, money and get on track with your money. Um, really set yourself up for the future. Um, number two, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Another great book that, that honestly, it, it's like, it, it's kind of set up in a fable where he, but it, it's based off of real events. Mm-hmm. You know, he has Rich Dad um, and a Poor Dad. A Rich Dad was more so like kind of focused on investing, focused on setting up for your future, whether school was involved in that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the poor dad was the one that was saying, hey, you have to follow this. You have to go to school. You have to do this because that's what everybody is. more of like the conventional way. Right, exactly. So he dives into that. And, and one thing that really opened my eyes in this book was understanding the relationship between your assets and liabilities and how that how that cycle really works should be functioning and to to see it and know that wow we've been doing it backwards the entire time and it was really eye-opening and to really say okay how can we shift this perspective to do it this way and so so a really great read um and number three this was actually the first finance book that i that i read and, and looked into but it was the wealthy barber 
um, by David Chilton and the wealthy. It's it's also a fable, um, the wealthy barber. It's basically some some kids are going to talk to this one barber who has a barber shop, but he's he's well off, you know, and he set himself up for success because of things that he did, and so it talks about a, a lot about that. And I think it's it's a super easy read. Um, but these are the top three must reads, guys. We highly, highly recommend if you're looking to get on track with your money, get a better mindset and and um, overall understanding of your finances. We would highly recommend these three books and they will definitely be game changers for you. Um, but let's dive into these five keys because, you know, um, they're super, super important. They've helped Ashley and I really get on track with our finances and, and really stay focused on our finances. But um, we have them one through five. I would say they're pretty much in order. Yeah. So you want to make sure that that these things are, are um, definitely taken care of in this order. But number one is pay off your bad debt. This is going to be huge. If you have debt that is just lingering around in your finances and your bills, you can never rest easy. You'll always be paying somebody. And so you always owe money. You never feel relaxed where you're like, man, you know what? Cool. I'm so glad I don't have debt because all this extra money is coming in now, you know? But pay off your bad debt first, guys. So so first off, what is debt, right? For those who are just like, man, I'm so confused. I don't know what debt is, right? So de- uh, debt is money that's owed. It's borrowed from a lender with, through your loans, through your credit cards, your vehicles, um, mortgages, whatever the case may be. Um, currently, the U.S. is says about $32 trillion in debt. But yeah, that, you, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. surprised. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at like the average household, it's 67,000, over 100, over six figures, because you factor in like mortgages and things like that, which mortgage is debt. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a loan that you took out on, on a house. And some people, of course, have credit card debt, 30,000 upwards, even even more of that. But um, essentially, if you have money that you owe people, that you owe lenders, how do you know if you have too much debt? I mean, like what like what if someone's going like, well, I have a little bit, but like is that too much? Is that not is that should that still get paid off? I mean what uh, I was I'm, like, are you asking me? <laughs> well I'm, yeah I'm <laughs> I mean a, a big thing I think for us was when we went through this was looking at you know, how much debt we have and how much we're making. So I right. think when you actually break down, like how much money do you have coming in and like how much money do you ratio, have coming out? Yeah. And I think a big thing too, and this was something huge when I was talking earlier about, you know, just because you're making more doesn't mean that you need to be spending more, If especially if you do still have debt, right? So a lot of times it's like, okay, we're making more money. I need a new car. I need a new this. And we take on more and more debt. But then you're only making X amount a month, but you're paying out close to all of that. So before you are even getting paid, your money's gone because you owe it to other people. You owe it to lenders. You owe it to banks, you know, whoever. So, so yeah, like you look at your debt, you look at your debt to income ratio. So if you add up all your debt, right, your payments, your bills, the money that's owed on your loans, whatever that is, divide that by your gross income. And if you look at anything that's above 43 percent, that's considered very poor debt to income ratio, right? And so if someone, let's say, if, you know, you make $40,000 a year and you're going to get a vehicle that's $46,000, right? Even though you're getting a loan on it, like you're not paying it out, right? You're getting a loan on it. You're putting yourself in way over your head in debt. So those are those kind of decisions where you have to really think about like, 
man, as much as I love it, I'm not in the position to get that right now, mm -hmm. right? So you wanna be able to see what your debt to income ratio is because that's gonna have a huge effect on your credit score. It's gonna have a huge effect on whether you get approved for any type of loans in the future and whatnot. Sorry, there's like some party going on outside. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's throwing me off just a little bit. <laughs> right. Um, so essentially, we, we talk about like bad debt, right? And you mentioned it earlier. Dave Ramsey's just like, hey, cut up all your credit cards. Mm -hmm. He's he's very big into that. Get rid of all your debt, right? And I can understand where he's coming from because nine times out of 10, the average person's going to be, be using debt incorrectly, right? Mm -hmm. So you're better off just paying it all off and not even worrying about it. Again, there is good debt, there's bad debt. So to kind of classifying that, think of it super simply, any good debt is gonna increase your net worth and it provides future value. And I mean, some examples of this are using credit cards correctly, right? As long as you're paying off the balances in full, um, your assets such as your mortgage, your mortgage is an asset if one, you're not living in it, right? Because it can be seen as both, it could be seen as, bad debt and um good debt because essentially it is a it is a loan that you owe on but it's also can be seen as an asset because it's adding it's, it should be going up in value um of course self-development anything that has to do with with that type of stuff as well um but but i mean bad debt you know if it does not increase your net worth and it does not provide future value and that's considered bad debt, right? And you you don't and you don't have the cash to pay for it outright. So essentially, an example like that vehicle, right? If you don't have forty six thousand dollars to pay for it outright, and it's putting you way above that forty three percent debt to income ratio, that's bad debt. That's really bad debt. And you'll know too when you go car shopping, like based on what APR rates you're being offered. Like 100%. if if that rate is really high, then that probably means that you're high risk, and you're probably a high risk to lenders because your debt to income ratio is so far off yeah i completely agree i think when you look at like bad debt examples you know you look at credit cards maxing them out just like i did or paying the minimums right racking up that interest you're looking at car loans cash advance or payday loans even student loans student loans you know that's debt that'll follow you you can't you can't even um, file bankruptcy and have that go away that's always going to be there and so understanding what type of debt you have whether it's good or bad and what position you're in in your lifestyle because you may say like yeah i have a credit card but it's only one i'm using it correctly but you have a huge balance and you're paying the minimum on it then that's bad debt you're not using it correctly and so that's a huge point to really kind of start off with when you're identifying your debt so essentially how do i get started paying off debt, right? This is something that we really looked into when we're saying, hey, let's let's look at all our debt. Let's start to begin in being intentional and start paying it off. And you know, Dave Ramsey and his steps were a huge, huge help. Yeah. Um, but guys, two easy options, right? Option one, line up all of your debt from smallest to largest uh, payment, or not payments, uh, totals, and begin by paying as much as you have to spare towards the smallest amount so you can check it off first. You get that that gratification each time you check off a debt. You're like, damn, it feels really good, right? And then you continue to pay the minimums on the other ones until you have one down. So once you cross one off, you go on to the next one. You put everything you're putting to that one and continue that same process till you get to the end. It, the, the way I see it, and this was the option that that we, we liked the best and we kind of did because the way I see it is like you're crossing them off. It feels really good when you finally get congratulations. You paid off this thing, right? You're like, damn, that feels really good. 
And then you're face to face with like your biggest one at the end where you're like, all right, yes. David and Goliath. Yeah, this <laughs> son of a bitch that's been costing me so much, right? Um, and it feels really good. And there's a psychological benefit and factor to that. And and, and that's why it's, it's we feel is, is a really solid option. Um, and then option two, it's kind of similar. It's the same concept, right? You want to line up all your debt, except instead of lining it up from the smallest to the largest, what you're going to line up is from the largest APR interest rate that you're being basically charged to the smallest. So essentially the idea, the concept here is that you have this huge bill. It has the biggest interest every single month that's charging you a lot. You want to get that tackled. So essentially you're doing it backwards. You want to get that tackled first. Um, and then you basically will feel like, damn, okay, I got that out of the way. All the other ones seem pretty simple to pay off. Um, so it may take a little bit longer at the first, um, because of the higher interest, most likely you have a bigger balance for that. But once that's done, I mean, you'll see it's a, it's a large impact on your, on your financial freedom. But Ash, what if someone's like, you know what, why can't I just do do what I'm already doing? Like I'm paying the minimums like I've been doing. It's working for me. We talked about it a little bit, but like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think if you're paying the minimum, then you're never really going to see it actually go down. Like the actual principal on that credit card, on that loan, on whatever it is, it's going to continue to like stay there. So essentially you're paying just to hold the credit card, but the actual balance of it's never going down. Also, then your debt to credit ratio is never actually coming down. A good goal and one thing that I picked up along the way that actually did help me, and I don't know whose parent, somebody's parent said this, and they're like, your credit card should always only be used 30%. Yeah. You shouldn't, like if your balance is, you know, seven, 8,000, you should never max it out. It should be only 30% usage of that. And even at that, you should be paying it off. Like every month. So it should never be. I think you're really big on this too. Like you should never use a credit card to pay for something that you can't actually afford. So like if I go buy a $2,000 I think three times, if you you can't buy it three times over in cash, then then you shouldn't be putting it it on a credit card. So like I'm not going to go buy a $2,000 bag and you know, my credit card limits like $4,000, but then I'm actually planning on paying it over, you know, over all the months. Like the goal with the credit card is I'm going to use it. I'm going to get the points for it, but I'm going to go ahead and pay it off. That way my balance stays low. So I think if you, and I've done it where I pay, you know, I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm going to buy this. And then I'm paying the minimum. I never see it go down. No, that's discouraging. And then I think too, credit card companies will say, oh, well, they're paying the minimum. They've been paying it. They've been paying it. They'll increase your limit. Oh yeah. And then you get excited (laughs) and you overdo it. So I think um, if you can't afford it with, what's coming in don't use your credit card to buy it and i think that's a good rule of thumb yeah and and essentially guys like going back to the question like if if you have some out there who are just saying why pay the minimums like i've been doing i'm paying the minimum on my debt you know it's working for me like guys do what you feel is best for your lifestyle and your financial situation just know that like you will always be throwing money away because what you're doing is basically probably just making the payment for that interest and you're not like as you mentioned you're not paying down the actual debt itself um so we've both been in those situations paying the minimums feeling like cool it's not really costing me much 25 dollars here 
man, it's going up now, $50 a year. Oh, shit, my minimum's now $75.80 because your balance is going up. And so the interest is going up. And so you have to you have to know, like, I was in that situation you just mentioned when I was like, damn, you know what? I really messed up with this credit card. I've already maxed it out. And I randomly looked at my balance and they increased my limit. I'm like, what? Awesome. Yeah, damn, let's go. The complete <laughs> wrong mindset, right? Yeah. And it's like, cool. You know what? They actually gave me a little bit more cushion on top of that. And for most people, they know that, cool, I gave you some cushion, you're going to go and spend it, and we're just going to charge you more interest in it. And and I think, too, so. you know, maybe, and it doesn't even have to be like you, if you're not able to pay it off, like, right away, just make a little bit more than the minimum. Like, if your yeah. minimum's 25, if you can pay 40, 50, like, that's still healthy. Exactly. Like, slowly, it doesn't have to be a lot that you're paying extra, but just always, if you're able to pay a little bit extra because it will add up over time yeah and that's and again guys we're talking about paying extra be sure you select one of these options don't just be i'm going to pay a little bit extra on all my cards and then you're just gonna you're not going anywhere you know be intentional to pay off your bad debt line up your debt pay the minimums on all of the other ones you're not focused on right now and so be intentional throw as much extra income as you can to that debt so you can pay it off cross it off the list and then throw everything you're throwing to that next one so on and so forth and just watch it kind of snowball from there and one thing that you and i really you know it was a mindset shift for us once we got out of debt you don't want to get back in debt it's it's like this feeling when you're like man you know what you're like free yeah i'm free i don't have these excess bills aside from like my daily lifestyle bills i don't have these excess loans and credit card bills and all this other stuff collections or anything that i'm having to pay back anymore and you don't want to go back into debt because you're like well shit i'm gonna it's gonna put me back into debt like i don't want that you know and so you have a different mindset going into it and so don't be tempted just to say now that i don't have debt cool now now i can get something else like don't start this cycle all over again you got that step that number one key for us is to get basically to get out of debt to pay off your bad debt so don't go back into bad debt once you're already out Um, Cool, guys. Moving on. Number two is a huge one and something that I think everybody most likely struggles with. And it's a discipline that we have to really harness in. But number two is to live within your means. And, And just as debt to income ratio, we have to find out what our monthly expenses to income ratio is, right? Or else you're going to be running on a hamster wheel. Um, essentially, we have the most control over our careless spending habits. We have the most control over the discipline to say, you know what? I know that my expenses are X and I make Y. That needs to work. You know, you can't be like yeah. having your expenses be over your income and then you your hands are in there like, man, why do I not have money or why am I short this month? Well, sit down and look at your finances and you'll be able to see that you're living outside of your means. And and you brought this up just a while ago, which I have a note of it here, but lifestyle inflation. So for those of y'all that don't know what lifestyle inflation is, we've all fallen, quote unquote, victim to it, which is the fact that we've made a choice you got a raise you got a bonus you got some extra money that came from you somewhere right awesome congratulations celebrate it but to change your entire lifestyle like elevate it just because hey i got this new thing 
you run the risk of really getting into debt. You run the risk of living outside of your means and so on and so forth. But you brought it up a while ago. And I yeah, think that's a huge, huge point. I think, you know, it, it's a big one. I think a lot of times it's like, oh, we, we, we're making a little bit more. I can spend a little bit more. But it's like, well, if I'm making a little bit more, I can maybe invest a little bit exactly. more. Right? And, I, it's, and I think you've said this before where it's like live with less now so that you can live with more later. Mm. Right. So it's not. And that's always going back to that quick gratification of like, right. oh, I have this money. What can I do with it? Like, I want to buy myself something. And it's just like that. It's just for a little while. It's temporary. You're going to yeah. feel good about this new thing and then you're going to forget about it. But if you put it towards investing or paying yeah. off debt or whatever it is, then you're setting yourself up for the future. Yeah, I think Ramit said it in his book, which I really liked. But he said, let's say you get like this big chunk of money from somewhere. Go through the proper steps of saying, okay, pay off your debt, right? Invest, um, I can't remember the percentage, but invest a particular amount that's best for your lifestyle, for your current situation, your circumstances, and then spend a portion of it on whatever you want, yeah. like guilt-free spending, right? And I think that's a really good way to think about it because we can't always just say, well, man, you know what? Like I earned this, like, you know, this raise or, you know, I've been busting my ass and I got this, this and that. And like, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I think the moral of this topic and this and number two live within your means is to ensure that you're being smart about it in the future because it's happened to us all like trust me like being able to see a raise and you're like cool well man i'm gonna get a new car and i get a and i get to increase my spending on, on this this and that and if it fits within your financial planning and your budget and everything like that then awesome like you know what have at it but like nine times out of ten, I think a lot of us think it fits within the, in the in the kind of scope of our lifestyle, and, and it doesn't. And I think too, another thing is um, before, like if you get a raise or you get a promotion, wait a little while, like see how get, things feel we, it yep, out, absolutely. get comfortable, I like see that. what does that actually look like. Like, okay, you got a, a salary increase of you know fifteen thousand a year, right? It jumped up. Okay, awesome. But after taxes and after all of that, what is that really going to look like when it hits your bank account? Yeah. And then does it really make sense for you to get trade in your car and your car payment go from 300 yeah. to 600, right? So yeah. it sounds really good sometimes. It sounds better than you think. But I think give it a couple months to really see what it yeah. looks like. And then after that, after you've been really keeping an eye on things, you're like, you know what? I have this much extra and even if I did increase my lifestyle a little bit, I would still have extra and I would still be comfortable. I wouldn't necessarily be stressing. Also make sure that, you know, that promotion that you really like it and that you want yeah, to keep absolutely. it. Because worst thing is you make all these changes, you you know, get tied up in all this stuff and then you end up deciding maybe you're not even happy in that position. Yeah. And you can't step back anymore because you have all these financial, you know, commitments. Absolutely. And I've seen that happen actually with with some past managers and whatnot. And it's super unfortunate because you kind of ask yourself where you're like, well, you know, you kind of start asking these questions where it's just like you made this huge lifestyle jump and you weren't even like solidified with whatever it was. Right. And I, I don't know some exact examples, but I mean, it, I that was the thing for me. I mean, you know, I drove my little Honda Civic yeah. around forever. And I remember when I finally got a new car, people were like, man, you drove that car around forever. And I had no car payment. Right. right so that absolutely. was nice. And I had moved up and gotten new positions, but I was very, I was still trying to tackle other debt and, yeah. you know, get my credit score to a good spot. And I was like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. And then when I did finally get my new car, it felt good. Felt it really wasn't good. like I was stressed about it. Yeah. One, I was able to get it on my own. I got a good APR rate and like 
that was really the main thing that I was paying aside from like rent and, you know, day to day stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of rounding that out, I think you brought it up just a while ago, but like as you increase your salary, as you increase your, your income guys, you know, like the saying more money, more problems, like just anticipate that you're now going to have more taxes like to pay. So, I mean, it's, yes. I mean, you got to think about these things, like what is the kind of snowball domino effect that follows? And so I think this whole lifestyle inflation term is really something that people need to kind of look at and, and say like, okay, I'm not going to, be uh, you know kind of fall victim to this i'm going to be smart about these decisions i make and and choose to live within my means absolutely easier said than done it's a discipline that's practiced every day absolutely um cool guys so number three so we got number one is pay off your bad debt number two is live within your means number three of our keys to get on track with your money is to use credit cards to your advantage now we've been talking about dave ramsey right um he has Ramsey Solutions. He has um, Entree Leadership, you know, all that stuff, which has some really great financial advice. Like, you know, again, kudos to him. When when I heard of him, like many, many years ago, I started like reading everything by him, listening to his podcast. I was like, man, this put me on this financial journey, which I was very stoked about. Mm-hmm. And then as I got to kind of do more research and understand like, you know what, credit cards can be used as an advantage, you know, and um i think it's a pretty powerful tool and so using credit cards to your advantage is number three guys so we are not saying hey get rid of all your cards now if you feel you can't trust your intentions with your credit cards cut those shits up because I'm like laughing over here because you know same i think like retail credit cards and all of oh those, my God, those are yeah. like not that those was one traps. huge thing like i had to get rid of like sephora nordstrom and all of mm. those but I kept like credit cards that are giving me like rewards Absolutely. back and points back and cash back. And those are good credit cards and that I will keep and that the limit will go up on and they're like working for me. But all those other ones, like I literally paid them off and cut Victoria's them off. Secret, Nordstrom, all the ones Sephora. where where you're about to. And oh my God, Ramit brings up a great point. I think it's in his book or in his podcast, one of the things, but he's just like, one of the things that I can't stand is I'm in line at a, at a checkout counter at a, at a retail store, whatever. And the person in front of me is going to pay for a pair of socks or something. And, and the, the cashier says, what well, would you like to sign up for our rewards program or credit card or whatever you'll get 10 percent off today or something they're like oh okay cool yeah that sounds great you saved a dollar today and yeah you know it, it was was it really worth it because now you have this credit card on your on your credit score that's going to affect that and and it's just a snowball from there but guys use credit cards to your advantage and i have highlighted here only under one condition that you must pay the balance off in full each month if you can if you cannot commit to doing that you you do not have any business getting a credit card because what's going to end up happening is like what what ash and i went through where it's like hey we pay the minimums and then all this interest comes up to bite us in the ass and so um guys shop for credit cards with great benefits if you're interested in saying you know what cool i'm going to add a credit card to my to my portfolio essentially shop for the ones that work best for you you know essentially you want to look for some maybe that offer miles they offer cash back they cover purchases because essentially you're going to be making purchases either way why not have them be done on a credit card you get points for that you get miles for that and then of course you're still paying for it like you still pay it back you know Mm -hmm. so i mean it's 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 like a cycle you want to 
to just basically work in your favor. And so shop for the lowest APR percent. And But although that really shouldn't matter because you're going to be paying in full every single month. Um, the only the only way that your percent your a, your uh, percent would actually matter is if you're paying the minimums and then, and essentially that's not what you want to do. Um, so essentially, you set up all your monthly bills on these credit cards, the ones that you can. There's some obviously that you can't set up on a on a credit card, which you would just pay however a checking account or whatever. Um, and I would recommend maybe one to three cards max, depending on your lifestyle, depending on you know what kind of organization and and logistics you have going on in your life and whatnot. And, and one thing that I think you actually helped get in line with, with this many years ago, you were like, man, you know what? Like if you actually used a credit card correctly, this was like went post Mm -hmm. post my bullshit with that first credit card I had is you're like, you can actually help you improve your credit score. And I was like, are you, are you serious? Like I hadn't really thought of that as a tool, as an advantage, but it's like, you know what, if they see you using it and paying it, they're saying, man, this person's a great customer because we trust that they're going to be making their payments. I think you, you brought that great point. Yeah. I think that was something that when I, my credit wasn't good, right. When I was younger, I had gotten loans. I didn't pay them back on time. I went to collections, all of that that fun stuff that really, you know, it, it showed me a lot. I learned a Those lot. battle scars. But then I remember I, um, I learned about it. So if you are somebody who does not have good credit, right, and so you pay off your debt, sometimes that m- will make your credit score go down, right, because right. you don't have any debt. It's like paying off. So say you're trying to rebuild. It's like now a small it, hit to yeah, your credit so score. Say, but say you went into collections, you paid off that debt, and now you're like, well, fuck, I can't get a credit card. And a mm-hmm. credit card is one of the biggest tools to help build your credit up. Right. There's also, I worked, I like Capital One. I mm-hmm. think, you know, we both do, right. but they have, um, for people who do have bad credit, you can get a secure credit card, mm-hmm. which is what I used. Nice. So that I paid like $200 and they gave me a $200 limit, right? So it's like your your limit is only what you've like already trust paid system. in. Yep. And then after so long, your limit increases and increases and increases. And then they offer you like better credit cards with awesome. rewards and all this stuff but that was i think what i used to kind of help me rebuild and get started so even if you don't have good credit and you think you're a lost cause there are ways to kind of get started but be careful with those because right. some of them do offer really high apr rates like we'll prove you that with you're high condition. risk so this so yep. i found that capital one was one of the best ones because the the APR rate was fairly low, mm-hmm. but you were obviously having, you were required to give a deposit to get yeah. the card, but it yeah. helps with the rebuilding phase for sure. That's awesome. And I think that's super valuable for people to know because, you know, you could feel like, man, well, like nobody wants to help me, but I'm trying to build it up. Like, here's the thing. And th- as far as that APR interest rate goes, I mean, again, if you have the mentality that you're paying it off monthly, you have to kind of expect that you're at a high risk um, customer essentially. And yeah. so you have to expect that, okay, okay, that's fine. I'll take this high APR, but I'm going to be making these payments in full every month and begin to build this up. And I'll, yeah. and I'll kind of show you that I'm a great customer <laughs> that to I'll work with. I'll show you that I'm going to be no, your but top I mean, customer. It, it does help. And I think too, just using it for small stuff, like I would use it for gas or to pay off our phone bill. And then I would don't, pay yeah, it back Don't off, be so. booking freaking trips on your cards. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to be paying them back little by yeah. little. I think that's what a that's lot. That's living outside of your means. <laughs> that goes out. back to that one. And I, I think, you know, to play devil's advocate it is 
easy to want to do that For because sure. in this social media world, everyone's going on vacations, everyone's yeah. doing this, and people are like, why are they all doing this and that? I want to do it too. And it's easy to like, I'm going to put on my credit card because I want to live my best life. Yeah. And it's like, you'll live your best life for a weekend or a week, but then when you get back, you're going to have to freaking pay that off. Absolutely. And then you're not going to be living your best life because yeah. you're going to have that debt. Yeah, you have to have that plan. And, and again, guys, if you're, if you're using your credit cards to pay for these really big expenses it, it's going to seem great at the beginning and it's going to come back to bite you because you're like man i'm paying on this thing forever now and i know at this point i'm paying crazy interest you know and so um our goal guys is to have everybody stress-free and and with these five keys to be able to get on track with our money and be able to see finances in a different light um but cool guys i was one through three pay off your bad debt live within your means and use credit cards to your advantage and number four let's talk about saving so save wisely right um depending on what type of nest egg you're you're looking to have obviously an emergency fund is super important i learned this even through covid i was like damn my emergency fund is not enough right now you know because the economy got shut down for what was it like three months or something like that and you're like well well shit like you know if i had I think Dave Ramsey says a thousand dollar emergency fund. What does a thousand dollars do for you? Like, you know, and so now, we, nothing. yeah, we started thinking like, okay, three months might not even be a month let or might not even be enough. Let's try six and 12 months of your expenses, right? So get all your expenses. What do you have to pay? This is already after your debts paid off, right? Making sure that that's a huge point. You don't want to have all these expenses and it be all your debt that needs to happen first. So get your small emergency fund ready. This is just for an emergency that happens and that's why dave ramsey says a thousand dollars but unforeseen circumstances maybe a big vacation you're saying i'm going to save for this down the road right um so saving wisely is super important now i didn't know this but like i had you know a big bank for the longest time right since i first got a bank and i had some of my savings and whatnot until i discovered high yield savings accounts like if you think about when you do the research, high yield accounts, most are found online. Um, obviously, you're going to pay you a monthly interest for holding your money there and allowing them to, you know, essentially lend it out to other people and whatnot. And so you you are seeing basically um, funds deposited in your account every single month. And it's a little bit here, a little bit there. The more that you have in your account, the more that you're going to get back, of course. And some of them are up to nearly 5% interest in those high yield accounts. And that's, that's really good. And it, it increases and in, in whatnot, but most normal big banks, you know, like your bank of America, your Wells Fargo, your Chase, like those saving accounts are less than 1%. It's yeah. horrible. Like sometimes it feels like you're being charged because again, inflation is, is, is a bitch too. So you got to really, really actually ask yourself if your money is actually losing value in that savings account. Um, but I know that, you know, high yield accounts has, has really worked for us. So if you do have a chunk of money where you're like, well, I don't really know what to do with it. Don't keep it in a shoebox or anything like that. Yeah. Don't keep it in a big bank savings account. Look into high yield accounts, put that money there until you can really start saying, okay, 
here's what I, what I really want to do with it. But if you're having just like wanting to keep like liquid money there, I would say in high yield. Yeah, I think that was something that it's it's an easy, it's a good first step, I think. Like mm-hmm. obviously growing up, we heard a lot about save your money, save your money, save your money, which, okay, what, you know, why? Exactly. And, you know, back then I was like, okay, but I'm going to die one day. And like, it's just, you know, I might yeah. as well spend it, but don't do that. Yeah. But I think if you're going to save your money again, like you said, you might as well have it working for you, right? Exactly. So, and if I put in, even if it's one percent or five percent that it's increasing, it's still more than if I had it in a regular savings yeah. account. So I think where it's like point zero something. It's yeah. Like, so I, I think if you if you don't know what you want to do as far as investing and stuff, you can always say, okay, well at least for now I'm going to put it in this high yield savings sit on it, add a little bit to it, however that looks. And then when I'm ready, it'll still have compounded a little bit more than what it was when it first started. Absolutely. And now between number four and five, so number four, save wisely. And number five, our final key to get on track with your money is of course to invest, right? You have to ask yourself, how can I make my money work for me? Between these two, I'm constantly like thinking back and forth, back and forth, you want to identify like, okay, well, how much money do I want to keep in my savings? Because again, yes, I can have it in a high yield or some other type of um, uh, account that's given a good return, but could it be an even greater return if I had it elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. But what you run into a little bit of the, the challenge and the things that I'm always kind of researching and looking into is that you have to see what your lifestyle and circumstances because you still need money that's liquid, that's easily accessible. Because if you have it tied up in big things that are illiquid accounts, you know, if you have it tied up in real estate, you know, you're not going to get that money back. Like you can't just go to the bank and have this money back. Like it doesn't work like that. So you have to really see what your financial plan and future looks like. And so maybe you say, okay, cool. Well, I've got like $20,000 that it's in my savings account. I want to see what I can do with it. Maybe investing a portion of that could be an answer. And I think one of the things for us is to see like what type of investment vehicles were were best suited for our lifestyle and for what worked for us. And so starting off, we have to understand what assets and liabilities were. And I think whenever we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was a huge point where I was like, dude, this is, it makes so much sense because when you look at business, like you and I coming from actual big companies, you look at every company has your asset column every company has your liabilities what's costing the company money and when you think about it like why didn't i just apply that to my my personal finances right you don't think of it that yeah, way which i think now now i think we do yeah well that's what i'm saying like back yeah. then it's just like this it almost makes like it's so dumb that i just didn't think about it like that you know and, and sometimes you overthink and again it's like we talked about that's a lot of the times when we don't take any action because it's like you know what like there's so much information mm-hmm. but when you think about your personal finances as assets and liabilities, you start saying, well, shit, this is costing me money and this is making me money. So your assets, of course, are making you money. These could be you're your investing in stocks and index funds and mutual funds, real estate, right? Um, REITs, which are investment trusts with real estates, crowdfunding. Um, maybe you own a portion or a share of a business, private equity, business ventures. Those are all assets where you know that you're you can you're going to sleep and you're making money, right? Mm-hmm. It's like things that are that are that are pushing your personal net worth, and then you have liabilities, all those things that are costing you money. And so that's why we say bad debt is really bad. It's a huge liability that's just costing you money, and and it's it's not allowing you to grow and and push that net worth. So your debt, your bank debt, loans 
your taxes owed, right? If you owe, if you're backed on taxes and you owe that. Um, and then I highlighted your mortgage. We talked a little bit about it. Um, your mortgage is considered a liability because you owe a loan on it, you know? But if you're renting it out and you have tenants that are covering the mortgage and whatnot, you just turned it into an asset. And so that's why real estate is one of those assets that's very profitable if you, if you, you know, have it all lined up accordingly. And so that's why for us, like these, the finance kind of world has become really interesting um, because essentially always ask yourself, like go back and ask yourself that same question. How can I make, you know, our money work for us, right? Rather than I have this paycheck, I'm just paying bills. I have this paycheck, I'm just paying bills. And so um, that was a huge, huge point. Yeah, I think that was like the big turnaround was it's like you're not just working to like make money and then pay your bills and then save it. It's like, how can I stretch this money? Yeah. How can I make it work for me without me necessarily having to do more work? Yeah, absolutely. It's like is that's a whole saying. It's like, you know, many of us just live to work because you're just living to work, getting the paycheck, paying the bills. Right. And it sucks. Like, you know, that's that's just unfortunate and we've all been in those situations we are in those situations and so how can we pump the brakes and this was a big point in this episode and why we thought it was so important to provide value to everybody was how can we pump the brakes and get on track with this money so our money and our our financial stress isn't running our lives you know and we're able to kind of take that breath of fresh air at the end but um our fifth key guys is investing um, one of the things I really read about, and I got this from the Wealthy Barber first, and I, and I think I want to say Rich Dad Poor Dad also said it, but the concept of pay yourself first. And that's when we started talking about, man, we've been doing this backwards, right? Where pay yourself first, first is essentially understanding that you want to be able to invest for your future for the very first thing, right? That you do, you get your paycheck, make sure that you designate a set amount or percentage to automatically be invested. So they take it from your paycheck, you don't even see it, it's already invested into some account, right? Whatever, you, whatever you're investing in. Um, and of course that percentage can vary based on your circumstances, your lifestyle, but it could be from 5%. Again, like you don't have to invest a lot just to get started, but it can be up to like 25% depending on how much you have extra. But again, I think this was um, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. He had a lot of great visuals on how to really structure your paycheck because essentially with this concept, like for the most part, we're paying ourselves last, if you think about it, because yeah. we get our check, we pay all of our bills, and then we're like, well, shit, I don't have anything to invest, so I don't, I'm not going to yeah. worry about that, right? So that was a huge point where I was like, man, it was just like uh, like a light bulb went off, and it's, it's pretty cool to kind of to realize that. But other ways to invest, guys, 401k, you know, um, check with your employer if you have 401k options. That's a huge thing to invest for your retirement. And then Roth IRA as yeah. well. It's a big one. So that can be done with or without an employer. So you can actually look up options online to invest in Roth IRA. And you can, you can only deposit a specific amount per year depending on... Um, I think they just have a set set amount that you can. I think it's sixty five hundred or something. But you can max it out each year if, if you like. I think it'll depend based on who you start it with. Like I think different 
True. Different companies have different like set amounts, and you can have you know a few. Also, you don't necessarily just have to have one. Yeah, most definitely, and, and you can match uh, your employer for a one k, or they can match it. So definitely doing the research, and and again, guys, educate and invest in yourself because this is huge. I think one of the biggest things with investing is just un- is education and being able to become familiar and understanding with it. Like Ash and I provided five keys here. And again, we wouldn't consider ourselves like financial experts. These are just things that make the most sense, right? To be able to get back on track. And, and as become financially more literate, just continue to learn. You expand your knowledge and, and basically, you know, see that financial stress and worry kind of go away. But guys, as a quick recap of the five keys to get on track with your money. Number one, pay off your bad debt. Number two, live within your means. Number three, use credit cards to your advantage. Number four, save wisely. And number five, ask yourself, how can I make my money work for me? And guys, as a final bonus tip, we'd highly, highly recommend looking into Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps that will help you in your financial planning, including paying off your debt, saving for your emergency fund, and investing for your future. These steps really helped us kickstart our journey many years ago and gave us great perspective on our personal finances. Again, he has a podcast. He has a lot of resources, and we'd highly recommend you guys check out those seven baby steps. You can find them online. It's super simple. But guys, that's a wrap for episode 35. This is a long one, but we really enjoyed it. We really wanted to provide that valued content for you. And as mentioned at the beginning, Ashley and I are by no means financial experts. And we both are still learning a lot about everything surrounding money, but we hope that these five keys can really serve a great purpose for you all as they have continued to do for us. Sometimes speaking of money and researching the abundance of information out there can be overwhelming and cause us to overthink our situations. We understand that, which more often than not, this also often results in us not taking any action at all. But that was a purpose for our episode to provide five simple and actionable items that can help you get on track with your money help you relieve a bit of stress and allow you to feel confident that you are setting yourself up for your future. Again, guys, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. You can start today to educate yourself, plan accordingly, and enjoy the journey towards your financial freedom. Be sure to like, share, and follow the Strong Society and Strong Society podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Tune in via Spotify and Apple Podcasts and feel free to reach out to us with any questions, feedback, or personal situations you may have. If you are a financial expert, we mentioned this earlier, but if you have any financial tips that have worked for you, we'd love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out, shoot us a message or email. Um, Yeah, we'd love to pick your brain and and, maybe have you on. Have you on, be a sponge as well. We'd love that. But our personal Instagram handles are Anthony Lucas Flotas and Ashley M. Zam. So be sure to follow our pages as well to catch free workouts and educational content weekly it's july guys have a great monday great start of the month later Later.